Each morning at this uh, time, we'll be giving instructions. And for the meta retreat, as with uh, mindfulness retreat, we'll be giving uh, sequential instructions that help us to start where the metta can flow uh, for each of us the easiest, and then uh, gradually move towards um, where it's a little more challenging. And we go in a trajectory starting with uh, what we'll sometimes call easier metta, all the way to uh, difficult people and eventually all beings much as in the reading from the Metta Sutta that I gave last night, the aspiration is to have Metta as one's default way of living, of encountering every being. There was a Tibetan teacher named Kalu Rinpoche who visited uh, Boston, and he went to the Boston Aquarium, and he went there, and he started, people could see he was, he was tapping on the aquarium where the fish were actually doing laps, kind of, or, well, go, anyone who's been to the aquarium, the, every, all the fish do laps, like sharks and other smaller fish, they're all very disciplined. And uh, he was tapping, and they asked, why, why are you tapping? He says, I want to get their attention so I can offer them kindness. <laughs> and that's the direction. Not, not just at aquariums, but in all the parts of our lives. So we'll be giving these instructions. And uh, today I'll give the preliminary instructions and we'll continue each morning. Um, one thing just to say, though, initially, you can see that we've uh, shifted our posture. I actually... Uh, sat cross-legged for many, many years, but lately have mostly been sitting in a chair. And um, I want to let you know that um, there can be depth of practice sitting in chairs. And so, uh, the, and in fact, it's even more significant for metta. We want to have uh, uh, postures and ways of being able to practice for long hours, for you know, many hours of the day, in a way in which we can be uh, in as much ease as possible. And so it's uh, certainly okay to uh, sit in a chair all the time or to uh, go back and forth, uh, not during an individual sitting, but if you want to sometimes sit in a chair or sometimes sit on a cushion so that your own practice is benefited, that's fine. And I know that sometimes, uh, I know when, when I moved more to a chair, I th th there was a little bit of sense of loss and I know it comes up sometimes. People think, I just can't have the depth of practice. And it doesn't look like the Buddha anymore. Buddha, did he sit on a chair? But, <laughs> but it actually, uh, it's actually an expression of metta, of kindness to our own being, and really, and of uh, skillful means to do that which is uh, most conducive, really, for the long term.
for the long-term uh, ability to be present without having the uh, sensations in the body be somewhat of an ordeal. And actually with metta practice, we'll, we'll talk about this more at the, uh, when we go into have a posture session at 11, but with metta actually the body needs to be um, more comfortable and because we're really staying with the metta. Okay, so. I'll give the instructions now for uh, beginning the metta practice, but we're going to invite you, if you wish, some of you are quite experienced with metta and can uh, go right away to doing metta all the time. But for those who are newer, one way to ease into it is to, in our sessions, do, at least for the first day or so, do a mindfulness practice to help you stabilize, become less distracted. And do that for, could be for a quarter of the sitting, uh, a third, a half of the sitting, and then shift to uh, metta practice. That would be just fine the first day. And for some people that can be very helpful for having a little more stability. And also, uh, again, if you're newer to metta, to really stabilize attention in a familiar way. That can be helpful. But I'll give the metta instructions now and then afterwards I'll invite you either to do the metta practice or to uh, have a, a short period of mindfulness practice. And I'll, I'll at least for this session, I'll, uh, I'll give some guidance on the timing. As I mentioned last night, the type of practice that we typically do works with the internal silent repetition of phrases. That is one way of practicing metta. And we'll teach uh, another main way, which is sometimes called radiating metta, which is a little more body-based and energetic, which uh, is based on first developing some energy of metta and then letting it radiate out in from one's heart in uh, different directions, much, much as in that quotation I read yesterday, so with a boundless heart should one cherish all living beings radiating kindness over the entire world. Um, and we'll, we'll teach later that method, but for today I'll work with the main set of instructions which have been really offered um, in the West and the, the main ones that we receive from our teachers from, uh, from Asia, uh, which historically comes a little bit more from the uh, Vasudhimaga and uh, Buddha Gosa from the fifth century. Some of you know that history. And here we uh, develop a set of phrases, typically four, that tend for ourselves to evoke some sense of warmth or kindness. And we we direct the phrases towards different beings, starting with ones that are, uh, in a sense, uh, easier for us in terms of evoking metta, and with whom the metta seems to be more accessible. So I'll, t I'll talk about both of those aspects. Um, the phrases 
typically bring out different nuances of wishing well. And so traditionally, there were four main ways that we wish well. We wish well in terms of safety, in terms of something like happiness, in terms of uh, health, and in terms of what's uh, traditionally called ease of well-being. And so we might uh, develop a phrase and direct this towards a particular being that we feel warm towards. We might say something like this to ourselves. May you, and we might also call the, the being by name, may you be safe and free from harm. May you be happy. Or again, we could say, have it be a little longer. May you be happy and contented. May you be healthy or as healthy as possible. May your life unfold with ease, which doesn't mean that everything's easy, but that we have uh, a response to whatever's happening that has more ease and less struggle less resistance in a way. We invite, especially if you're newer, the uh, expression of these phrases and even the choices of the qualities or words in ways that are evocative for you. And so we often would have the phrase be expressed something like, may I or may you have this quality. But for some that doesn't work. And so you could really phrase it in the way you want. Some people just like to have it be simple and just have the quality like safe and just have that be there in a simple way in the attention. It's also possible if there are other phrases that are evocative for you, you can choose those and not stay with the standard ones. So for example, the phrases that I use are these and none of these are copyrighted. You could choose mine if you want. Um, may I or may you uh, rest in the awakened heart be safe and free from harm. And then I say, may my body support my practice. That's my version of health. And then may I be held by love. Or sometimes I say, may I be held in love. Others might say, may I accept myself as I am, or may I be wise or compassionate, or you can name a quality that's important to you. If you're newer, it can be helpful to stay maybe with at least a half of the traditional phrases. And if you want to explore phrases that may work for you, you can do so. Generally, we suggest keeping it on the simple side and um, experimenting with different phrases for a little while, but not for too long. It'd be great if everyone 
you know, by the afternoon had settled on what you're working with, if you're, if you're newer. I'll say we'll have a little bit of time for questions about the instructions at the end of the session if, if people who are newer want to ask or, or older. And uh, I know for myself, I, I started with the standard phrases and over time I found that some of them uh, had more energy than others. And I think, you know, my general pace is I shift phrases about every five years, one or two of them. So not too, not too rapid change. <laughs> We start typically where the metta can flow easily. In the tradition, it was thought that the easiest being with whom to cultivate metta was oneself. We have not found that always to work so well in the contemporary West. And I'm, uh, I know that very well from my work with the judgmental mind, that for some of us, bringing kindness to self comes up against a kind of a block. It doesn't flow as well. And so we've increasingly been suggesting that we start with where the metta can flow the easiest. If, it does fl- if you're experienced and it does flow well with the self, that's fine. But we generally suggest starting with uh, the either the second or third of the traditional categories. And my uh, colleague, Heather Martin, some of you may know, she has taught here before. She has a nice way of talking about the different beings. She calls them the meta-muses. And so, and the, the meta-muses traditionally go from self to benefactor, who is, which is sort of a, uh, a teacher, mentor, elderly relative. Traditionally, it was understood that way. We can really understand it also as any being that is just a support for one's practice. And typically, this means not a, what we would call a complicated relationship where there's a good amount of care, but there's also what we call stuff. <laughs> okay. uh, that uh, the, the benefactor, it's almost entirely a positive feeling. Same thing with the third category, the dear friend. Dear friend can be traditionally, is traditionally a little more symmetrical in terms of the relationship. The benefactor traditionally was someone who is more in a guiding role to us. But I think we could generalize those and, and really say any being that is a benefactor, and it doesn't have to be a human being. It could be a pet or some other being. So some people, as the benefactor, choose a dog. Is it just just entirely positive towards me. Not many issues after the initial training. <laughs> right. And so we would, um, we could choose, if that being really brings that sense of warmth, that's great. And then the, the dear friend is, is different uh, and a little bit more of a peer. Again, not a complicated relationship, but someone towards whom is almost entirely positive sense of things. The beings can be public figures. They don't have to be ones that one knows personally. Some people would, you know, choose uh, the Dalai Lama or, you know, some 
some other special being for oneself. Okay? And uh, today in this session, we'll work with, uh, we'll work with both the uh, benefactor and the dear friend. And so if you're newer, we'll be inviting you to choose if you don't have a, a, a benefactor or friend, just choose a being that more or less fits those descriptions. You know, one doesn't have to have per se a mentor or teacher just a being that is a force for good in your life. That's what we're looking for. And then traditionally, we would also go through what's called a neutral person, and then uh, a difficult person, and then we would go to all beings. And we'll bring those instructions out in the course of the week. Maybe one more thing to say, and then we'll, we'll, we'll practice. The repetition of phrases is, uh, involves words and is verbal. And it can sometimes be um, overly having the feeling of being wordy. So, I'll, I'll suggest a few optional techniques that can be helpful that help the metta be a little more uh, emotional and a little more embodied, which helps the uh, development of the metta. And there's something like a four-step uh, practice for each of the phrases that I find quite helpful. So the... F- uh, the first of the four steps is that we bring in some way the being to mind, have a visualization of the being, or if you're more somatically based, it would be to uh, bring a sense of the person as if the person or being was in the same room. And this, this can just take uh, you know, a second. So we might, we, the, and again, this is optional. We could bring an image of the being And then it also helps to have some sense of the heart, you know, one's attention in the heart area. Some people keep their hand on the heart. And and that can actually be quite helpful. It helps it be more embodied. So we could have the image of the person or the felt sense of the being, have the the, uh, the awareness of the heart area, either without the hand or with the hand there, then we would say the phrase, may you rest in the awakened heart. And then we might have just a short pause, could be one or two or three seconds, just to allow a pause or a kind of a resonance with the phrase. And then we could go back, then we could go on really, and go through, if if those four steps resonate for you, go through the four steps with the second phrase. And then in a similar way with the third phrase, in a similar way with the fourth phrase, and then back in a similar way with the first phrase. Okay. So let's, let's just take a few minutes, first of all. There's been, been a certain amount of words. Let's just do a few minutes of, the, uh, of 
your mindfulness practice. Again, if you're quite experienced and want to go right to metta, that's, that's fine. We'll just do a few minutes of continuing to arrive, be grounded and so forth, maybe about four or five minutes.
Now shifting to the metta or loving kindness practice. with the being who is the benefactor for you. Again, using some of the four phrases, the traditional ones being, may you be safe and free from harm. May you be happy. May you be healthy. May your life unfold with ease. So using the traditional phrases or some of the ones along with others that you find particularly helpful or evocative for yourself. So we'll stay with the benefactor and then in a little while I'll invite us to shift to the uh, being called the dear friend.
And now shifting with our meta practice to bringing metta in relationship to the dear friend. Again, if you're newer, seeing which being seems to come to mind as someone, some being towards whom the metta can flow more easily. Typically, we stay with the same phrases for all the beings.
So in, in further mornings, the instructions will be briefer and there'll be more time to practice, but there's a lot just in the initial instructions. And the other thing to say is that the suggestion in the sittings today, uh, especially if there's distraction, might be to do mindfulness for a quarter of the time. So it could be, could do mindfulness for five minutes, 10 minutes, 15, 20 minutes, um, at least half the time with metta, just to get that going. Okay, so time for any questions about the instructions particularly, or did I get that? Am I doing that right? And uh, Nikki, do we use a microphone or we do, a, do I, should I repeat the uh, uh, questions? Yeah. Anything come up, please? It was uh, Shawnee? Yeah. Little, little louder, please. Oh, sorry. Is there a pace that you suggest? Yeah. Um, you people have different paces. Um, if you do some, if you use some of those methods of the visualizing, and uh, after after you get into it a while, it can go fairly quickly. So I'm my pace, for example, might be I have an image, I feel my heart. May you rest in the awakened heart. Pause. May you be safe and free from harm. And there's a pause. I visualize, feel my heart. May, my, may your body support your practice and so forth. So, so it could be something like that. So you can experiment. The, the key is really what we're aiming for. The phrases are totally means to an end what we're really aiming for is the sense of warmth. And as the practice deepens and matures, that actually becomes a little bit more of the focus. And, and you know, when one does the practice a lot, it, it, it's a kind of a concentration practice and the phrases actually start becoming almost beneath the conscious uh, mind. They're just happening, but the attention can be a little bit more on the feeling, on the heart. That's what we're aiming for. Oh, well, yeah, another, another thing about it, I said it a little bit like last night, we're not, we can say the phrase and we don't have to wait for the feeling to come. Uh, in some moments, that would be a while. <laughs> and so we can actually just, uh, yeah, just give a, a few seconds, but we're not so much, the pause is more just to see whatever happens. It's not so much to give some time for the metta to, arrive, <laughs> okay? And so uh, we really just, again, the, the phrases are like the knocking on the door of the heart. And then sometimes there's not a feeling, sometimes there is, sometimes there's something else. Sometimes there's, you know, memory of a difficult interaction from two days ago and comes up and I say, may you rest in the waking heart. <laughs> and that's normal. And that's actually part of the process, yeah. Thanks. Anything else? I, you know, do I have the instructions clearly? Please, and say your name again. Um, yes. You know, when we're doing mindfulness practicing, when you are distracted, you get lost, you get in a thought or a body 
Yeah. Uh, yeah, very, very good question. The, the general instruction is with metta, it's similar to what we, some of you may have done uh, concentration practice with the breath. And it's similar, basically when you notice that you're distracted, when you notice that the mind is off, you just notice that and immediately come back. So you don't, uh, you don't stay with what's there but you write, you come back. The, the general guideline is uh, if something is quite strong and lasts for a while. You know, so, f- so an example might be that uh, I'm doing metta practice and maybe I've had a loss in the last six months, right? And sometimes when we do retreats, you know, if we haven't processed some of that, so to speak, it might be there and it might evoke something which lasts for, you know, can be actually quite strong and lasts there. And then we might do mindfulness or compassion practice. If, you know, we have a sense of sadness or something that's quite strong and lasts for five minutes, 10 minutes. If something just comes and goes in five seconds, 10 seconds, 15 seconds or something, we just let it come and go. We, as soon as we notice we're off, we come back. Okay, thank you. Please, Fred. Instruction to, to stay with the, the teacher or with the, um, with the loved one mm-hmm. or alternate between the two through the day today? Yeah, yeah. The, the suggestion would be when you're, when you're on your own uh, doing your own timing, you could, um, um, you could do something like half and half. That would be appropriate. And... Um, What's helpful with the practice is that you sort of decide ahead of time your time sequence. It's not like you're with the benefactor and you get tired of the benefactor. Time for the dear friend. (laughs) Because there's actually a value to staying with the practice when it doesn't seem to be flowing like you'd like it to flow. There's a value to that. So so it's helpful to actually say, okay, I'll do half and half and, and try to stay with that. Right, that that's useful. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't want to give too many choices, you know, but uh, those of you who are experienced, you know, and have done this may, you know, may want to do it a little bit differently. Yeah. Okay, please. Maybe time for one or two more. Yeah. So it was Ilya. Ilya. Yeah. yeah. How many... In the day? In one sitting. Well, you basically, here, we're staying just with, yeah, I didn't say it clearly. We choose, uh, let me see if I'm understanding your question. We actually choose one benefactor. We choose one dear friend. We may have 10 candidates for dear friend. We sometimes talk about, you know, when you're starting off having auditions. To see, okay, I've got three candidates for the benefactor. Okay, okay, how are you? Yeah, okay, yeah. but we we actually just choose one. In a sense, they represent all of them. 
So we keep, we keep the, the method pretty simple. Um, in daily life, sometimes we can do it differently, but in, the, in a retreat context, we typically just choose one representative for the benefactor, one for the dear friend. You let the people or the beings who weren't chosen know that they'll have a place when we get to all beings. <laughs> yeah. Does that, was that get at your question? Oh, you mean all the different categories, like the uh, uh, neutral person and all that? Oh no, like the safety, happiness. Yeah, you 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 um, you would do um, each of those four just continually for each of the beings. <coughs> yeah. So yeah, I would do like I be with the benefactor, one, two, three, four, back to one, two, three, four, and so forth. Yeah. Maybe last one, and I'll have to be brief, so we cause we have some other things. Yeah. Do you try to like when you're visualizing the benefactor? Do you try to retain that visualization and just kind of let it come? I usually do it like right before I say, you know, right. Be I kind of do the visualization just in a moment. I don't try to maintain it the whole time, and I I try to keep some awareness in the heart. That I sometimes try to keep, you know, but. I, but uh, if you're if you're if you're newer, not to have it be too much effort, just to have an image enough for you to have a sense. It's really to help the evocation of feeling, of of the emotion. Yeah. So not to have it be too uh, complicated a concentration practice. Just keep it keep it simple. Okay. Thanks. <coughs>